You're currently listening to the free version of Let Me Talk. If you want longer, ad-free episodes, even earlier, head to lmtpod.com to find out how you subscribe. Let me talk! Let me talk! Let me talk! One, two... So then, Kovacic confirmed more toing and throwing on Declan Rice. Will he, won't he? Let's find out. Maybe. Welcome to today's Let Me Talk. I'm David Mooney. I am joined by the Athletic City correspondent, Sam Lee. Hello, Sam. All right. Um, oh, God, look. This, this genuinely wasn't even planned. I've just seen a retweet of West Ham Central, one of their aggregator. And it's on, I'm, I'm, I only ever look at my For You feed on Twitter now, which means I get some right morons cropping up. But you never know if it's going to be three hours ago or three minutes. And this one's three minutes. And it says, I don't know who C&H as a source is. That probably means more to West Ham. But it says, Man City believe they'll win the race for Declan Rice and that he's ready to move to them instead of Arsenal. City don't get involved in bidding wars unless they know they will ultimately win them. Pep absolutely loves Declan and has for a long time. And the source is C&H. I don't know what that is. However... And then somebody said, is this source any good? And the guys replied with 50-50. So <laughs> basically, basically what I was going to say... What, okay, so, so, sorry, 50-50 is just nonsense. <laughs> yeah, it's pointless. Um, somebody, sent me a, somebody sent me a tweet earlier saying, Guardiola, he goes, this journalist is no good, but you never know. And it was Guardiola <laughs> wants Unai Simon, the athletic Bilbao goalkeeper. And I was like, well, obviously he doesn't. <laughs> obviously he doesn't. Like, Why? Well, they want like I don't know if he's Spain's number one, but he was at the at the Euros. Was he at the World Cup as well? I don't know. Good question. Um, don't know the answer. Don't remember. Anyway, it's like obviously he doesn't. So yes, fifty fifty is a source, not great. But anyway, I, it kind of ties in well with what he was saying and like me talking about rice and how it is. You know, we're recording this Tuesday evening about nine p.m. It's gonna what the full member show will go up within a few hours. Yeah. The free show will be at some point Wednesday, maybe Thursday. I don't know, maybe Wednesday. But it's like it's it's likely to have changed loads by then. Um, I look, I guess we're here now. Um, this wasn't how we exactly planned to do it, but it will tie into Kovacic too. Uh, at the relevant time, I'll probably say read that question about Kovacic. <laughs> okay. So in, in terms of Rice, um, I think Arsenal are a bit panicked by City's bid, which is obviously a good sign because you know. If they were like, oh yeah, we're going to get this guy. He's our main target. Or no, City are coming in. That's you know a good sign for City. But my theory on this, or kind of related to that, is he is their main target by a mile, and it's like almost all eggs in that basket, and that makes me think they would maybe panic and bid more than what they were planning to to get who they want. And because yeah. Rice is very happy to stay in London. That could that easily lead in to their that. Favor. Yeah, and, yeah. and what we know about City is, if they value him at 100 million, they're probably not going to 105. Do you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. just we know City don't do that. Um, and then the other thing, which isn't, it's kind of difficult to explain because obviously they've got to the point of they've made a bid already. But some of the suggestions floating around is it may come down to the other thing we know about City and their transfer business is they want players who are all in. They want players who are fully committed, like Guardiol, for example. Fabrizio Romano has already said it, so people don't need me to confirm it. But he has agreed personal terms with City. And that's normally how 
how City like to do their business, isn't it? Get the yes from the player straight away. And normally that player is like all in, I want to come to City. And then, you know, if there's any kind of doubt with that, combined with, oh, by the way, the price has gone up, City just say, forget it. And I, I guess the, the best example of that is Alexis Sanchez in the January because they had the agreement and then the price went up. And also he was like, well, I will go to United. And they were like, well, forget it because you're either all in or you're not. And I feel, and it's kind of been suggested that if he's not all in, City may not bid again. But my own theory is Arsenal will just pay more. And because he's happy enough to go to Arsenal, more than happy. That's kind of how I see it going. But like I say, you have got that element of them being concerned about City's interest. And it gets down to those two things we know about City. They don't pay above their valuation. So obviously it depends on their valuation. If they're happy to go to 100 million, then 100 million might do it. But if it, you know, if Arsenal do more, then and City don't want to match that. You know, if Arsenal say we'll pay 110 and City are like, no way, then that's it. But that only that, that, that only changes then, doesn't it? If if Rice himself is going, well, if I'm not going to Arsenal, but that doesn't seem to be the case. Um, the bottle is get, and then, <laughs> but but those two things, it's like it's easy to say. You know, in in recent years, so many people and so many people listening to this podcast will have just said, just pay the extra few million and get it done. But we know City don't do that. And from my point of view, I'm now thinking because I want this to happen. I'm quite excited by the idea of Rice playing for City. I'm thinking, look, if he's not like fully, fully committed, like to sign him anyway, because he's he's obviously open to it. And then you know, by the time he's training with all these amazing players, yeah, and by like the by Christmas, get him be loving it. Then. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's what I'm thinking. But I mean, it obviously ill ties in with you know Guardiola's meritocracy, and you know, you know, you might be Cancelo, you might be Carl Walker, you might be Laporte, you might be a great player, but if you're moody, you went playing. And that, you know, that helps create that environment where they're all ultra competitive. You know, Gundogan put it in his Players' Tribune article, which was brilliant, about that environment that they've got in the team and how he's never experienced anything like it. You know, that is a lot to do with Guardiola and how they cultivate it. And I suppose part of that is signing players that, like, want to be there 100%. And look, even I kind of think, well, if they're 80%, just and it's, and it's a player that, again, Guardiola really wants then maybe, you know, you, you push and do that anyway. So, I mean, we'll have to see how that turns out. And as an example of how quickly things are moving, you know, that, if, I always say I do massively sympathise with people who are just following transfer rumours from what they see. Because, with, you know, without knowing um, or having an insight into what's going on behind the scenes, because only some of the stuff actually gets reported. But then you you see stuff that's like completely contradictory and it's like preparing a bid and, and all this kind of stuff and loose kind of language and think what is really going on it is impossible to know so I do have and like even if you've got a bit more of an idea it is impossible to know and like David Ornstein I don't know I don't know how he does it like I don't know how he finds out about these bids and all the background information and stuff but like even he wouldn't be able to call it right now or you know maybe last night he might have had a different opinion to what he has today you know that this just how it goes um it's almost like it almost feels like with that info about you know Arsenal wavering a bit, but City maybe not being convinced about it because Rice isn't 100% going to turn his back on Arsenal and say, right, let's do it. So it's like you want to you message City and just be like, do you know that, that Arsenal wavering a bit? You can get this guy. Like if you go <laughs> in now, you can, you can get this guy by Wednesday if you just kind of swept it all up with West Ham. But look, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But I and mean, then- just in, in terms of like the bid, for instance, because uh, the news on Monday night was effectively that um, City's bid was was pretty much the same as the Arsenal one that was rejected, although you would probably put more weight into City's bonuses, I guess. Um, yeah, well, this is the thing. Like, even that, you know, in terms of 
either knowing more than you can report or even just not like knowing a lot like that is like if i got that story first i'd be fucking delighted with that but there's elements of it which you don't you know how achievable are those 10 million in add-ons is that you know do west ham think actually give it 12 months and we're getting them 10 million yeah. or is it if he wins the ballon d'or you get 8 million which probably isn't going to happen and that makes a difference. And also there's a thing, and I've, I don't know, I've not had any insight into this, but I've read about it. And people keep saying City can pay more money up front compared to Arsenal. So then you think, well, if City say, we'll give you 80 now, well, not 80 now, we'll give you 80 million guaranteed and we'll give you 50 now and then 30 over two years and those bonuses are achievable, then, you know, it, it is possible that West Ham go, actually, that's good. But if City go, we'll give you 10 million now and 70 over five years, then they'll like, oh, forget it. So... That that's the still that's still the kind of stuff that's unknown. But obviously they rejected it anyway. Yeah. But yeah, if if City do go back in, then you know it is going to be it's going to have to be attractive. It's going to have to be getting up towards a hundred. And yeah, apparently West Ham are pissed off because um, you know, everybody knows they they want like a hundred million for him. It's like why are you messing around below it? But that's just negotiating, isn't it? Um, but then we saw that with City last year. They went in massively below what Brighton wanted for Kukurea, and people will be happy in the end that it didn't happen. But it's almost like. You must have known what they wanted. Did you really think you were going to get him for less? Um, and there may be an element of that with Rice, but yeah, I don't. The next thing to find out really is how much City value him at. Like, would they go to one hundred or would they? Just, I think they would, but that's just a guess. Um, and this is like kind of testing the waters, but yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. And then it, yeah, it goes back to Kovacic because we've had a lot of questions about how Kovacic is going to be used and how Rice would be used, and um, yeah, kind of got some answers to that. So. Time for a very short ad break now. When we come back, we'll talk about how any new signings alongside Kovacic will fit in with Guardiola's setup for control and pauser. Let Me Talk is sponsored by you, the listeners. The best way to support the podcast is by subscribing via Memberful. You can pay as little as £2 per month, which gives you early access to all our podcasts ad-free, and they're packed with even more content. That gives you even more minutes of us to fill up your week. Subscribing is really easy and the longer episodes will integrate seamlessly with your podcast app of choice, be it Spotify or Apple. Head over to lmtpod.com for more information on signing up and links to all of our socials. Well, that's, I mean, the, the first one um, is uh, a little bit more about uh, Rice and uh, Gavardiol, potentially, um, because uh, Tom Gribble said, uh, if, big if, City were to sign both Rice and Gavardiol, uh, how do you see City lining up next season? I'd guess something like Edison, then a back three of Stones, DS, Gavardiol, uh, midfield two of wow. Rice and Rodri, wow, then, by the way. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, then Bernardo, uh, De Bruyne, Foden ahead of him uh, with uh, Grealish just behind Haaland. Uh, and then he says Rice very active in midfield box to box in possession while dropping back out of it while Stones moves in uh, into right back when needed uh, also DC City making any winger signing should Bernardo also leave okay so on the winger thing you know so I keep coming back to this guy I was speaking to the other night he was saying and again this isn't isn't something I knew because I didn't ask specifically but it was something like kind of related to and it's that once you're told you can kind of put two and two together with what I'd, I'd already heard. But they would only sign a winger, apparently, if Bernardo goes. Because Bernardo's so kind of multifunctional, and that's a word we'll come back to a lot. Um, it's like, okay, well, now now we're going to need variety kind of thing, so let's do that. Um, and I've seen other people in the questions say, what kind of style would they be? And it wouldn't be, and this we'll link back to this probably in about eight minutes by the time I finish explaining the rice and 
Kovacic thing in like overly lengthy terms. But it wouldn't be a kind of Sane Sterling winger who likes to play like a one-two and run into space behind. You know, it's it would have to be the kind of Grealish, Mares, Bernardo, loads of touches, keep the ball, slow the game down, speed it up, slow the game down again, make you know more touches, longer possessions, bring the team up together. Um, so that that's the situation with the winger now, as far as I'm concerned, as far yeah. as I know. Now, now to go back to this team, there's well, we've read out. Uh, the thing is with it is obviously without Gundogan there and mm. with. Uh, like There's the potential for there. yeah, with the potential for Kovacic to come in, it's the whole idea of of where like I mean we're, we're, I'm going to use the word Sam I can't help it like where does the powers come from? Yes, well, yes, exactly because do you remember we were saying about Bellingham like this doesn't make sense, but also this was at a time when it was like well they might sign Bellingham but as long as they sign like a powers of player as well. You know, somebody, you know, dictates the tempo, another Gundogan, another David Silva, that kind of style, then it works. But obviously we know now that they're getting Kovacic and they're getting Rice, or they're trying to get Rice. So that isn't really there. So again, when I talked about the type of winger there and how it ties back into what I'm going to say about Rice and, and Kovacic, is let let me try and explain how they're going to work first. Yeah. Because I'm do, I've done an article on this today because I was over in... Chester again for the Mendy trial, and it didn't start until the afternoon, so I had a couple of hours. So I start, it's three parts to the article. The first bit is what we talked about the other day. No, they're not just signing him to stop Arsenal. That's fucking mental. The second bit is how they actually fit in. And then the third bit is how it relates to the power zone control of games. And, you know, if you've got two box-to-box midfielders in front of Rodri, how does that work, considering he's never going to play in a big game or any meaningful kind of game? You know, Rodri with Foden and De Bruyne, it's either De Bruyne... Or Foden, or yeah. De Bruyne, and Alvarez, and not the two. You know that that's kind of well established. If you've been listening to this podcast a lot, you're probably sick of hearing it. So anyway, to go back to this eleven that was read out, that back three I said, you know, wow, by the way. But then it was Rice and Rodri, so that was a back three. So unless you're thinking Rice is going to come up from centre back or whatever into midfield, which you know you wouldn't rule out eventually, but you need another, you need another centre back there. There's basically too many midfielders in that. So what I would say would be more like. Well, and also we know, because we've said this on the last show, but they're sticking with the back four next season. And again, to go back to this conversation on on Sunday, which I suspected but didn't know, if Walker goes, which he said was probable, you know, according to his sources at City, then they're not going to sign a replacement. Okay. Which I didn't know, but again, it was kind of, it was along those lines, the conversations that I'd had. And that was two conversations, not just with different people and not just the one. So... You'll be looking at a back four, you know, the big, solid back four. So you chuck a Kanji into that, Stones, a Kanji, Diaz, Guardiola, for example, or it could be Ake. Um, and then you've got Rodri ahead of him. And then it would probably still be more like a midfield three with, let's say, De Bruyne when he's fit, although he's going to miss preseason. And then let's say Rice, but it could be Kovacic because it's basically the same principle. And then you've got the wingers. And let's say Bernardo, if he's still there, if not Mares, And then... Harland in the middle and Grealish. So then that works broadly because, and it doesn't have to be Rice because we can use Kovacic. Let's just, in your mind's eye, imagine both or either. Um, they're both, because Cheeky Bagiristan said um, in the Kovacic arrival kind of statement that he can play as a number six and a number eight. And that was what I was told last week and put in an article last week. They see him as somebody who can do both roles. And yeah, 
as a six right now, if you were to drop him in instead of Rodri for big games, you know, there'd be a problem. You know, like dropping Rodri in straight away, it wasn't easy and nobody needs reminding of that. Everybody knows. So it, it, not straight away, but it's it's possible. And also with Kovacic, you can use him. You, because the thing is, with Gundogan, and I put this in the article, but with Gundogan, you'd know he was... You'd know it'd be on the team sheet. You'd know it'd be on that kind of left side of midfield. But you wouldn't know exactly what he was going to do. Yeah. Because if if Stones wasn't going into midfield, then Gundogan would drop all the way back and help, you know, Rodri bring the ball out, offer another option. But he'd still get up the pitch. He'd arrive late into the box. Um, but, you know, when Stones was there, if you remember the Liverpool game, for example, he stayed very high because Stones was back there next to Rodri. So Gundogan could stay high. And then you've got... Maybe he drifts out to the left. In the recent years, you've seen him make the run off the shoulder into the box. Um, we've seen him be a false nine. So you'd know him. You know he'd be on the pitch, but you not necessarily know where he was going to be. And so that's the thing with Kovacic and Rice, because you think, like Tom Gribble said, with this team where Rice and, and Rodri are next to each other, you could see that. But then if they stick with the, the four defenders, it doesn't definitely mean that Stones is going to go into midfield. But more often than not, it would do. And also that allows you to keep another attacking midfielder, another number eight, whatever you want to call it, higher up the pitch. Because you've got that overload in midfield from Stones. And if you if you take yeah. that away and you drop Rice or Gundogan back there, you kind of have the problem from the... Before it kind of clicked in Guardiola's head and he started using Rico Lewis there to create that overload. And you've still got another midfielder up there you'd be losing a midfielder to drop further back and you'd still have kind of almost like a surplus of defenders because we know they can build up with those three defenders and stones going into midfield adding another one in and dropping a midfielder back seems like a waste of time so then it's kind of difficult to understand like what what would you do with rice and kovacic you seem perfect next to rodri at least at the start but in actual fact they're most likely to be a bit further up the pitch Well, I was just thinking, I mean, feel free to shout at me for thinking this too simplistically, but if you you have the setup of four at the back with Stones stepping out of the defence into midfield, if you start with a three at the back, what's stopping one of your midfielders dropping into centre-back when you need it? Do you know what I mean? Do you like the inverse of, of of what happens now? Yeah, I suppose if you were to to maintain like a, a solid two, um, but then the thing with Stones is he's not just been going into midfield, but he's going all the way up to the attack, hasn't he? That was a big thing in that Real Madrid mm. game in particular at home and something they didn't do away. Um, so obviously he did sit a bit deeper. But then if you're looking at a situation where, let's say Stones has to go all the way forward to help create those overloads as well, but then Rodri's kind of dropping back in, you don't have that holding midfielder there for a counter-attack at all. Like, yeah. Maybe yeah, that, yeah. that would be my answer. I mean, I don't think it's very polished and I'm sure there's other ways of looking at it but that would be what I'd I'd say to that but then it's like I didn't when I was writing the Gundogan article on Monday morning I I was looking I was looking for an article where he kind of because I know he said at some point you know when he scored a a load of goals a couple of seasons ago and he was kind of like well I'm scoring goals now but I've always been doing a good job I've always you know I feel like I've played better than I am now but now I'm just scoring goals and people notice so I was looking for that interview and I found an interview he did with Sky Sports and it was where he said he had to adapt to playing further forward because if you're deep in the pitch, and this again, this is obvious, but I hadn't really thought of it this way. If you're deep in the pitch, you can't give the ball away. Like you just can't, you can't give it away. Maybe out of a hundred passes, you give one away. But he said, if you're further up the pitch and you play a hundred passes, you know, attacking midfielder, more of a De Bruyne 
kind of difference maker. If you're in those areas and you give away 95 passes, but the five lead to a goal, it's not so bad. And it's like he, it was funny then listening to him two years ago saying he had to adapt to that because obviously now you think it, you appreciate just how much that what I said before, he was on the pitch, but he never quite knew what he was going to be doing. Yeah. But whatever he was going to be doing, he was fucking brilliant at it. And that's, and that's the thing. So Kovacic, you know, he's better suited to probably playing a bit deeper. But like we just said, it doesn't really make sense if you've got stones going in there. So then, and somebody I was speaking to about Kovacic, who's seen him a lot, was saying, you know, he's going to have, if he's staying higher up in those areas, like I mentioned, if you remember the Liverpool game, it was all about playing out from the back into Stones and Rodri, and then they'd get the ball straight away round the corner to De Bruyne and Gundogan. Then they'd get it onto the winger and City would attack really quickly. So if you imagine Kovacic in those spaces, you take it for granted with Gundogan because he can receive the ball in space, turn really quickly and move it on. Now, Kovacic isn't necessarily used to doing that. So that's something that he's going to have to adjust to. But if you've seen him get the ball deep, and I've seen him do it against City, and he's really, really slippery under pressure, then you can see him adjusting. But it will take a bit of adjustment. But you can see him operating in those areas. And then when it comes to Rice, and also apparently they see him as a player who can contribute the kind of goals and assists that Gundogan does as well. Yeah. Particularly Rice. You know, some I was speaking to the guy I spoke to on Sunday. I was speaking to him again on the phone today. And he was saying, with Rice, they see him as somebody who can play as Rodri, somebody who can play as Gundogan, and somebody who can also do the De Bruyne stuff, you know, be even more creative in the final third. And now you think, fucking hell, imagine what they could do with this guy. Yeah, just pay so, the 105 million then, if that's what you see of him. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, but, but that's the thing with Rice. It's like some, a lot of the thinking, maybe, maybe some of the thinking of, they're only signing him. They don't need him. They're only signing him to stop Arsenal. It's because it's like, well, he's a holding midfielder normally, often plays as a holding midfielder, and they've already got Rodri, so it's going to be another Calvin Phillips situation. They don't need him. They're just stockpiling, blah, blah, blah. And even the people who don't say that, but people like who, yeah, people who don't say that, but are still thinking, well, how's it going to fit in? You can't, like, just get used to the idea that he'll be playing, like, higher up. And it still makes more sense, in my mind's eye at least, for him to start next to Rodri, same with Kovacic, and drive the ball up the pitch. But that doesn't seem likely with them sticking with the four defenders. So it's purely going to be, they'll they'll just be used higher up the pitch and eventually they'll have to adapt to the kind of way that Gundogan was just good at all of the things that he did in midfield because he let's just say he played left number eight, but what was his role on any given job yeah. next to there? And how many times have we talked about the tenacity off the ball and the second balls and all that kind of stuff, which I've been going on with forever. You know, So that kind of stuff they'll have to pick up. So there's an adaptation period, but that's what they see from these two guys. What, what and it's I would not say, a kind of double pivot situation. It's yeah. very much a kind of, you can do all these jobs in midfield. What I'd say to the people who are questioning the role that he does currently and what he would do in a City team is is simply look at Jack Grealish, for instance. Like, well, what Gre- Well, yeah, but look, what I'm, just my example, what I'm thinking of with Grealish is like, the player that City have now is nothing like the player that Grealish was at, at Villa. And so you, you can't look at a player at the previous record and go, well, I don't see how they fit into City because clearly what Guardiola's looking at is not specifically yeah. what they do for their club currently, is is what skill set do they have and how can I maximise that yeah. to my team? Absolutely. And again, this is part of the conversation I had on the phone today. And in fact, it was it was something I'd kind of stumbled across in my article anyway. I hadn't thought about it at the start, but came came to the conclusion. It was like, well, we talk about Bernardo and Gundogan now being like the complete midfielders and able to play in so many different positions, do everything well. They weren't like that when they signed. They were yeah. good players, but they weren't like that when they signed. And so, look, obviously Kovacic has 
not got time against him, but he's a bit older. But, you know, you can see with some tweaks there. And Rice, not a blank canvas, because he's, you know, there's a lot of things on that canvas already. But like Grealish, you suddenly you put him in a team like this and you think, what a player he could become. So, so there is that, yeah, there is that element to it of, in terms of how they're used as players, that is going to be that. You know, it, it's going to be putting them in midfield and trying to do a bit of everything. And, you know, particularly with a focus on, on the attack. So that's how they're used. But then obviously because of how, particularly on this podcast and in my articles, we've been talking about power zone control. And, you know, all of last season was about how they fit Haaland into the team and maintain that control. And that's why they used Grealish and Mares on the wings to slow the game down. Uh, because if you think about all the control they had with the false nine team, they had a false nine. They didn't have a, a striker who wanted to make runs in behind and didn't yeah. contribute much to the game. Um, or nowhere near as much as, you know, Foden or Bernardo or Gundogan playing as a false nine. They contributed different things to the game, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They helped them control the game in in yeah by creating those overloads and just loads of passes, you know, more passes than runs in behind, that's for sure. Um, so it was completely different and Guardiola had to kind of find a way to maintain that control and obviously part of that was Grealish and Mahrez and not using wingers anymore that like to run into space um, and play one-twos and that kind of thing because and it kind of explains why Foden wasn't used too much on the wing towards the end of the season if at all in like the really big games or even you know like just Premier League games because it was like well we need to kind of slow this whole thing down just so these guys and obviously you've got De Bruyne and Haaland can kind of, they can use their creative destructive instincts and everyone else is going to slow this down. And then this brings us to how will it work without a powers of player like Gundogan? Part of it is, you know, they're going to have to add that element to their game. Kovacic carries the ball a lot more than Gundogan does, but that's fine because when Bernardo plays in there, he carries the ball a lot. Yeah. But it's, it's just, and you know, Bernardo never played next to De Bruyne a few years ago because he didn't have that appreciation. But now he does. So it can be taught. And they do expect Kovacic, or both, but it feels like particularly Kovacic, to pick that up. Um, and and they will learn it in that way. But you think in the meantime, because they, they lost a little bit of control last season with Haaland, didn't matter in the end, because it was all, it, it turned out that losing that control they were very capable of dealing with it. And that's why people think that Guardiola was happier to have less control of games and less possession because they were good at dealing with it. But it just so happened that he did want more control. They didn't get it. But with Haaland scoring on the break and the four defenders booting everyone, <laughs> they were really good at dealing with it and they won all the trophies. So next season, he will want more control. And you may be putting in somebody into the midfield in, let's just say, Kovacic, because we don't know what's going to happen with Rice. And let's just say Kovacic, you're putting him in the midfield and he may have less of an appreciation for it than Gundogan did. But, and this was something, because I asked the guy again, I messaged him and that's why he called me. Because I was like, explain to me how you think they're going to do this and get that control without having somebody next to De Bruyne to offer that balance. Because like we said, it's not going to be Foden and De Bruyne. It's, that's just too forward thinking. So how, you know, how if it was Bellingham and De Bruyne, how would it be? And basically, like we just said, it's like we already know these things, but we maybe hadn't joined the dots. Grealish and Mares and Bernardo, when he plays on the wing, they help them slow the game down. Yeah, they get control from that. Maybe there's your there's your answer. Yeah, 
you get control from that. That is controlling the game in a different way. Stones going into midfield, him going in there, being an extra body, playing those types of passes. You know, I go, keep going back to that Liverpool game. He did it in loads of games, but in that Liverpool game, he was brilliant because he'd take one touch if he needed to take one touch. He'd take two if he needed to take two. If he needed to take three, because there was no Liverpool player coming to close him down, it'd take two to kind of steady himself, attract the pressure, then he'd play it. Those are the kind of passes and that's the appreciation that you need. And he's learning that too in midfield. So you've got controlling the game in that way as well. And also, it's not really a way to control the game with the four centre-backs, but it's a, a good backup plan if it doesn't work. So you're not relying so much on one player like Gundogan or David Silver in the past to kind of control everything because everyone's doing it. And that's why you think... Why wouldn't they bring Leroy Sane back? Or why wouldn't they sign Rafael Leal? Because, okay, if you were keeping Gundogan for a year, you could arguably chuck in another winger and say, well, you know, we're still going to regulate it in this way. But they're fine regulating it how they are on the wings. They don't want to change that style on the wings because they're making a little bit of a change in the middle. And in the meantime, those guys coming in, or maybe just the one, are going to have to learn on the job and appreciate the powers of qualities like Foden's been doing. But the difference with, because you could easily listen to this and say, why don't they just play Foden in there then if it doesn't matter? But it's like these two players have got, they're a bit more suitable to it than than Foden is. And obviously De Bruyne has kind of picked it up along the way. You know, It's always a kind of harsh characteristic of De Bruyne. It makes him sound like he's just a moron who's just spamming balls in behind all the time. He's not, you know. he's, He's not stupid. But like, you're never going to get him to that same kind of level as Bernardo and Gundogan. And I don't. Maybe, maybe you will with Foden, but like Kovacic and and Rice are already closer to that finishing line than Foden I think, is. I, I think the thing with De Bruyne is, I always I get the impression that he, in any given situation, looks up and thinks, "Yeah, of course I can play that pass around three players yeah. and inside another one and under the, this one and round that corner as well at the same time." And like that, that kind of it's like having a little devil and a little angel on his shoulder with the angel yeah. saying, "Like, no, no, just control this," and the devil going, "No, go on, play it. You can play it. Go on, play it." And he just listens to the devil every time. Yeah, exactly. And it goes back to what Gundogan was saying. You know, when you're in those areas areas you, you can give the ball away that's all right and we've said it before about Grealish you know Guardiola was like as much as he defended him publicly and like even privately because he knew all the stuff he gave but he was like just, just run at them like you do in training when when we're all set up in our shape you're allowed to run at them and lose the ball and it's like De Bruyne when we're in that shape when everyone's come up the pitch together because you know they slow the game down and they use the right amount of passes if you want to try that pass then play it and also to be fair they're trying to find the right balance of if there's spacing behind and it's right to play the pass and then play it. That's the balance that they need to work better on next season, but they got better as the season went on last time. But it's that thing of Gundogan, sorry, well, even Gundogan, but De Bruyne is allowed to like miss those passes. His his passing accuracy is allowed to be 75%. But if he was playing next to Rodri, you can't play, you can't be 75%. We talked about that, that pass from Rodri, in the Champions League final in the first half when he was bringing the ball up the pitch and he gave it away in his own half. You think you can't do that. You can't do that because the team's not set up for the holding midfielder to give the ball away. The team is not set up for the holding midfielder to give the ball away. And like Kovacic, you know, he's going to have to get a better appreciation of that, but it's not like he's a moron. He's not going to really struggle with that. But that's the kind of thing you need to appreciate when you're playing holding midfield. But obviously, when you're further forward, you can give it away. It's not great, but if the team's set up and everyone's in their position to counter press, then you fine. Can cope with it, yeah. So, so yeah, so like they've got different ways. So that's the three parts of this article, and and it kind of all ties back to 
how, you know, what's the plan for these guys, where they're seen to fit in. It's not so much, you know, maybe there will be a double pivot in some games, but also like they'll just get forward as well. You know, City haven't really properly used a double pivot since they needed to come up the middle in the year Liverpool won the league. When again, Gundogan, when he did the job he was asked to do, it just wasn't pretty. Um, but yeah, they're going to yeah they're going to be asked to get off the pitch as well, adapt to the kind of powers of qualities, appreciate what the kind of passes you need to make and the the passes you shouldn't make in certain areas and all this kind of stuff. And again, it yeah it, they may not be perfect at it in a way that City weren't perfect in terms of controlling games with Haaland, but while they're learning about the passes to make and that kind of thing. It may be a bit rough around the edges, but they can fall back on the defenders being solid. And also, there are different ways to control the game. It's not reliant on one player to dictate the tempo because they've got lots of players dictating the tempo. The tempo. And again, this is another little aside, but something the guy said to me today. He was like, Guardiola's biggest kind of tactical thing at Barca was making Messi a false nine. But like Iniesta was Iniesta. He played in his position. Xavi played in his position. Busquets played in his position. But at City, you've probably got six or seven players you could play anywhere. And they've got different ways. They're also adaptable. Like, the four centre-back, why I said that's not going to guarantee that Stones is going to go into midfield. Because if you remember the Fulham away game, they played with the four... Well, it wasn't a four big centre-back. So I think, did Walker play? I think Walker played. But they played with that setup, but they didn't have Stones going into midfield. I think Gundogan was dropping in. Well, that's it for the free version of Let Me Talk. If you subscribe via Memberful, we'll be answering some of your mad questions this week, won't we, Sam? Yeah, um, so, some of them are all right. Some of them are a bit more sense. But the one about picking five City players for a Battle Royale, yeah, I enjoyed that one. Yeah, we get through loads of those and your thoughts and emails as well. That's all for members. Those ad-free episodes are longer and they're out earlier as well. You can find out more on lmtpod.com. If you want to send us an email, then hello at lmtpod.com is the way to do it. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at lmtpod. And on TikTok, we're at lmt underscore pod. There's plenty of content on there and behind the scenes stuff as well. Thank you very much for listening and we will see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.